This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. All right, guys, I am excited to take you into a new series today, and I want you to turn with me to the book of John, chapter 13. John 13. Something just happened this past week that's never happened before. I started a monthly series on a Wednesday. So if you were here for first Wednesday, you got the first part to this series. If you miss church Wednesday, luckily you can go and listen to it. And uh, we have it for you on our app and also on our website. And this series uh, for April... It's called Passion Points. Passion Points. Now let me explain the series to you before we get started. The last week of Christ's earthly ministry leading to his death and his resurrection. That time period in our faith is known as the Passion. And there are a few things that happened that week that may not be as highlighted as the cross. They kind of get lost in that last week's period, but yet they're not there by accident. They are rich. They are full. They are bountiful with wisdom and instruction. So I'm taking this month and looking at that last week known as the Passion, and we're pulling a few key points out of it, and and some things are a little discreetly placed in Scripture, and we're going to pull them out, we're going to magnify them, and we're going to learn from them. So this past Wednesday, first Wednesday, we started the the, the series out with the phrase, have faith in God. Now let's recap and explain where that phrase was found. There's actually a portion of scripture in the passion period of, of, of Christ's life where Jesus was walking and from afar off he saw a fig tree and he was hungry and he walked up to the fig tree that was, it was kind of standing out on its own. He went to the fig tree and there was no fruit. And like all of us that are starving and there's nothing in our cabinets, he got a little frustrated. Even Jesus got a little frustrated. And, and instead of saying, there's nothing to eat in here, he just looked at the fig tree and said, you'll never have fruit. I curse you. I mean, you don't want to mess with Jesus when the brother's hungry. So he cursed the fig tree. The very next day, his disciples are walking by the same tree, and they're like, look at that. That's crazy. He spoke that over the fig tree, and it's withering from its roots. Sucker's just drying up. And what's interesting is he didn't even, he was done with talking about the tree. He actually just used this as an incredible point in the passion. And he said, by the way, if you'll have faith in God, all things are possible. Whatever you pray for, you'll have them. If you want to bear fruit in your life, have faith in God. And this past Wednesday night, we, we discussed this very point. A lot of you are praying and you're wanting to see some fruit in your life. You're wanting to see things turn around in your home. You're wanting to see things turn around in your mind. You're wanting things to change at work. You're wanting that boss to have a soft heart. You're wanting some overtime pay. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're wanting to be promoted. You're looking for fruit. You're looking for it. You're praying for it, desiring it. And I believe that the fig tree illustration is for you. If you want to see the fruit, have 
faith in God. And when you believe, when you pray, don't allow your doubt to tie the hands of God, but allow your faith to loose him to be able to operate openly and willingly in your life. Someone say amen to that. Don't you wish you would have come on first Wednesday? See that? And I messed up right there. I'm never going to do this again because some of you are like, huh, why come, man? The brother just preached it again in three minutes. Never again. Never again. You have to be here. And I don't know how I did that in three minutes and it took me 40 Wednesday. I have no clue. So today we're looking at a second passion point. And it's found in John 13. John 13 verses 1 through 17. And I'm going to be reading right now from the message. And I shared this in the 830 and I just kind of want to do this again. I don't try to do this every time I preach. But there's so many translations of scripture. You know, there's the NLT, there's the Living Bible, there's the NIV, there's the New King James, there's, there's you name it. And I just want to kind of pastor you for a moment. I'm, I'm a King James guy, but I'm also smart enough to know that at times I just need a little supplement. It's, it, and, and what I feel strong about is if you're a believer, and even if you're new in your faith, if you've just given your heart to God. I believe that even if you haven't yet given your heart to God, if you'll just ask the Lord, speak to me through your word, I believe the Lord's spirit will lead you. And at times, I'm not feeling something out of a King James reading, so I'll look for a supplement, and when it feels right, I'm just believing that because of where my heart's at, and I'm sincere in my seeking, I'm sincere in my, in, in my discovery, I just believe it's from the Lord. For you that are just, you know, you're just like non-anything else but King James, that's great. Don't allow my reading supplemental portions of Scripture to get you off track. I trust you well enough to pray and to listen to what the Spirit of the Lord's telling you. And I ask you for the same courtesy. Can I get an amen, everybody? All right, amen. So the message we go... And we're looking at chapter 13 of John, verses 1 through 17. And it's a pretty long reading. So everybody hang in there. Just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come to leave this world to go to the Father. Having loved his dear companions, he continued to love them right to the end. It was supper time. There it is. Jesus is always hungry. The devil by now had Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot, firmly in his grip, all set for the betrayal. Jesus knew that the Father had put him in complete charge of everything and that he came from God and was on his way back to God. So he got up from the supper table, set aside his robe, put on an apron. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them with the apron. When he got to Simon Peter, Peter said, Master, you wash my feet? And Jesus answered, yes, you, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but it will be clear to you enough later. And Peter persisted, you're not going to wash my feet ever. And Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you can't be a part of what I'm doing. Master, said Peter, well, then if that's the case, not only my feet, wash my hands and wash my head and Jesus said, well, if you've had a bath in the morning, you'd only need your feet washed now. And you're clean from head to toe. You got to love you some message. 
My concern, you understand, is holiness. Everybody say holiness. Not hygiene. But we do believe in hygiene. So now you're clean. But not, listen to this. But not every one of you. Because he knew who was going to betray him. And that's why he said not every one of you. After he had finished washing their feet, he took his robe, put it back on, went back to his place at the table. And then he said, do you understand what I've done to you? You address me as teacher and master, and rightly so. And that is what I am. So if I, the master and teacher, washed your feet, you must now wash each other's. I've laid down a pattern for you. What I've done, you do. I'm only pointing out the obvious. A servant is not ranked above his master. An employee does not give orders to the employer. Last line, and it's worth underlining, everybody. If you understand what I'm telling you, act like it and live a blessed life. This is a passion point, pointing us to the blessed life. If he says this will bring you a blessed life, I think it's worth taking out of Scripture and looking at and discussing. Because I think all of us would raise our hand. Would you like to live a blessed life of God? I'm going to try that one more time for the slow learners. Would you like to live a blessed life? There you go. There you go. It's like the teacher saying the answer is C and you put down A. I mean, come on. If you want to live a blessed life, then this is worth us discussing. It's worth us discussing. I grew up in a church in southwest Louisiana that some of you have heard me talk about. It was an incredible church, very family-driven. And I will say I'm the luckiest man in the world to have grown up where I did, with whom I did. It was fabulous. But there were a few key things that I would have done differently. And one of them was I grew up in a church that participated in something that I'm interested to find out if any of you have ever done this yourself. We had a service every now and then called a foot washing service. Now, just, just for me, just to help me out. If you personally, I'm, I'm not talking about your Aunt Susan and your grandma. If you personally have ever participated in a foot washing service, I want you to raise your hand and leave it up. Raise your hand high. Be proud about your nasty hands. <laughs> Been rubbing on feet. Leave it up. Okay, you can put them down. All of us are worse because of it. I'm going to be so sacrilegious up in here today. Just to make my point, there was nothing worse than a foot washing service. This is how they went at my home church. The pastor never would schedule it. He would schedule it with just the crew. You know the crew? The Tupperware crew. The few little ladies that knew where the Tupperware was. And they'd fill them buckets up with hot water. All the ladies, all the females would go to the fellowship hall. All the men would have to go upstairs with their sons and their granddads. And this is how it went down. You'd be in church and he'd be preaching on serving. He'd be preaching on loving. He'd be preaching on honoring others. And you would see a few key people, the Tupperware crew. You'd see him standing up. And if you grew up in the church, you're like, oh, man, that's Sister Cindy. That's Sister Susan. That's Brother Richard. It's, it's foot washing. 
the only time they ever leave early is to go get the Tupperware. <laughs> and they go put hot water in it. And they go sit all the metal chairs out. And you'd, 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 you'd do one of two things. You would either leave, but then you'd like be like dismembered. You weren't even a Christian if you didn't participate. So you would always did the other thing. You fought to be first in line. <laughs> Why did you have to be first? Because the water was hot and clean. You didn't want that nasty sock lint up in your foot washing bucket. You wanted it clean, pure, hot water. And then if you were on your A game, I'm talking to a few of y'all. Y'all know who I'm talking about. When you got about two or three of these under your belt, you became an expert. So you always had that one partner. You know, you'd look at him and go. And he was your boy, right? And he'd be like. Because y'all had this unwritten agreement. One toe and done. (laughs) But if you weren't on your A game, you would always get stuck with that 83-year-old that had the weirdest toes. All curled up. Look like an ostrich foot. You're 15 years old and you look down in the Tupperware bucket and you're like, is that human? He's got ostrich toes coming out. And you're like, how do you wash this? I need a power washer. Hey, I'm glad y'all are laughing. 8.30, they were like, we're taking a vote. Most sacrilegious, ungrateful little heathen. No, I'm just saying what you've been saying for 50 years to your spouse and never had the guts to go public with it. None of us are better off for them foot washing services. But I will tell you this. We may not need a foot washing service in Calvary, but we desperately need a foot washing spirit. Because this church is missing it. And I'm fixing to pastor you. Which means I'm fixing to wear you out in love. We don't need Tupperware. We don't need hot water. We don't need, you know, cutting lines to get the fresh water. But what this church is in need of is a baptism in serving people. Because we have slid into this selfish mindset that ain't going to get it if we're going to grow any further than where we are. Man, you got a handful of people around here making this thing go. And everybody else, you just taking. And I'm fixing to pastor you for a few minutes. Everybody say, I'm ready. As long as you don't break out the Tupperware. And if you don't respond to this sermon, I will break it out. I'm joking. If I did, I'd be out of town. I'd be like, Pastor Dustin, I think you need to have a foot washing service. But I'm going to be gone. This is what we learned from Jesus, everybody. And if he did it, I think it's worth learning. First of all, we see in this scripture that we just read, John 13, that a foot washing or a serving spirit, everybody say a serving spirit. A serving spirit is willing to serve an enemy. Jesus looked around the room and not everybody in the room was on Team J.C., Not everybody was on the Jesus wagon because there was Judas. But what Jesus wanted to show us 
What Jesus wanted to model for us. The message said, I've laid you down a pattern. I've given you a schematic. You just got to plug and play. All you do is do what I did. And what did he do? He looked around the room and he didn't find his best friends. Only. There was an enemy in the room. And Jesus showed everybody at the dinner table that night what a serving spirit looks like. A serving spirit is I will serve God and people. Not white people. Not black people. Not smart people. Not ignorant people from Louisiana. Not male. Not female. Not tall. Not short. Not handsome. Not ugly. Not educated or non, not wealthy or poor. I'm going to show this room how to serve people, even those that don't like me. A serving spirit serves all people. Can I get a better amen than that? Y'all better not roll up Methodist on me today. I need some a manon in here. So, what he did was he served his enemy. Secondly, what we see is that a serving spirit comes from the inside that is displayed on the outside. Y'all got tickled at Jesus' words when he said this. He said, I'm not looking for hygiene. I'm looking for holiness. Everybody say the word holiness. Holiness is from the inside out. I grew up trying to live for God from the outside, exterior. By the way, y'all, I don't have a fan. This brother's hired out for our website. I know a lot of y'all are like, that dude's, that dude's like, he's all up in his grill taking pictures. I don't know who he is. Last time I got up in church, he told me to sit down, and this guy's just walking around taking pictures. Everybody give it up for my friend Davey that's in town with us. So we're updating our website with some pictures, and Davey's the man. He is awesome. Anybody was here for our own point series when we were shooting them bow and arrows? Y'all remember that series? All that videography was done by Davey. Davey, I love you, man. You're good at what you do. I prophesied over Davey at the coffee station this morning. He's a UT student in Austin, and I said, man, I'm so glad that you're home today. Y'all saw that? Working it, working it. Everybody say holiness. Jesus said, this foot washing thing, I know it's a, I know everybody's going to see it. I know we're all going to witness it. And it's going to look like we're doing something. It's going to look like we're, we're performing because we're washing feet. It looks like we're wanting some pats on the back for being foot washers. But what you got to understand is, I'm not looking for you to perform. I'm looking for your heart to be manifest on the outside. I'm looking for your goodness not to just remain dormant as a thought, but I'm looking for your goodness to activate by faith to be in a work. Because faith without works is dead. Now, you don't work your way for salvation, but man, once you come to know Jesus, it's time to go to work. Your faith should want to work. It should want to serve. 
And Jesus, he puts it on display. He says, listen, I'm fixing to show everybody what the spirit of serving looks like. I'm going to serve my enemy. And I'm going to allow what I'm feeling and sensing in my spirit, I'm going to allow it to come out. And you're going to get to see the fruit of what's going on the inside. I worry about Christians, professed Christians that have no fruit of serving. You say one thing with your mouth, but your, your, your actions speak a whole other language. You can't say you're a Christ follower and everything be about you being served. Bunch of Presbyterians in this room. Y'all better say amen. I'll preach till four. You can't say you're a Christ follower and not serve people. And this is, what's, this is what I'm wanting to, I, I just want to attack it with a love and with a heart for you. And a heart for this church. We, we, you, must, you must step up your game in serving in this church, everybody. I know it's easy to come and expect everybody to open the door and expect hot coffee and expect your kids to be taken care of and expect your pastor to preach a masterpiece. <laughs> I know how easy that is to fall into that trap. But can I tell you something? There's not enough sermons and there's not enough people and the coffee will get cold if we don't get you on that wagon of serving this church. You've got to go to your next level. You've been in this same level now for five years, six years, three weeks. Two days is too long to stay where you are. Once you come to know Jesus, it's time to go and let your faith work. And serve people. Someone nudge your neighbor and say, he's preaching to you. He's preaching to you. Preaching to you is who I'm preaching to. Watch this. A serving spirit serves its enemies. A serving spirit comes from the inside out. It's holiness. Holiness is, is, you know, you can't live for God. You can't expect your holiness to be an exterior presentation of perfection. That's not holiness. That's messed up religion. Holiness is the inside of a man that comes out as fruit, and it's going to be serving. Here's a third one that we see, and that is a serving spirit partners with Jesus. I want to read you something from the Living Bible. John 13, 6 through 9. We were in the message. We're now in the Living Bible because of one word. It's, a, it's too good of a word not to use. When he came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Master, you shouldn't be washing our feet like this. And Jesus replied, you don't understand. You're, you're missing it, man. I know that like in military stuff, I never would be the one serving you. You would be serving me. I get it. In the culture we're in, you would always be serving me. I would never serve you because there's a hierarchy. I'm authority. I get that. But what you don't get is the kingdom of God doesn't work like that. He says, you don't get it. One day you will get it. And Peter in verse 8 said, no, you, you're never going to be able to wash my feet. I don't care what you bring up about this whole non, non-cultural thing. I'm not going to let you wash my feet. And Jesus says this, everybody. This is as bold as it gets from the Living Bible. But if I don't, Peter, you can't be my partner. You'll never partner with Jesus and the mission of the gospel If it's always about you. 
If you want to partner with Jesus, you have to do what Jesus does. Well, what does he do? It's on display in this illustration of the washing of feet. Here's your walkaways, everybody. Get ready to write them down. They're in your notes on the app, by the way, the app I was talking about. My sermon notes are right there for you to look at. Here they are. Number one, he got up from a supper table. Not every interruption is a bad thing. When you partner with Jesus, get ready for some divine interruptions. You don't need to screen every call. And you don't need to delete every email. And you don't need to ignore every text. When you partner with Jesus, you better believe it. Jesus is in the connecting business. He connects needs to servers. Needs to servants. Needs to partners. Needs to followers. Jesus, from his perch of view, says, I have someone that has a need. Oh, I've got this guy that's madly in love with me and follows me and listens to me. And I know that he not only serves me, but he will serve people. I have a need. I'm going to somehow make this need, find this servant. And this servant that I can count on will meet the need. We're so busy thinking that God's going to meet all our needs. God uses people. And Jesus was interrupted. At the supper table. <laughs> Is there anything worse than being interrupted at the table? Don't you dare answer it. We're eating as a family. Don't do it. We're eating as a family. Hello? You won the lottery. <laughs> I'm no longer in that family. <laughs> Could be a good thing. Terrible illustration. We're pro-family. Pro- we're, we're good. Watch this, everybody. You never know, you never know how the steps of the good man, the steps of a righteous man, you never fully understand how those steps of the righteous are going to be led. You never know where God's going to put you. You just might be the vessel, the tool. You might be the man and woman and student that was hand-selected by God. To meet a need of an individual that is at their, at their end of their rope. And you could play the, 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 the role of patching them together again. I know it's dinner time. I know you're hungry, Jesus. And I know you're at the supper table. And I know you don't want to have to get up. And Jesus saw a need and he got up. Why was there a need? This is something critical in the story. Why was there a need? Because in the context of, 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 of the scripture, this is, this is probably the biggest thing you can learn today. Everything and anything in scripture, you need to understand the context of it. There's been a lot of weird things taken and made as doctrine that was just completely out of context. Them brothers did not have Justin Roper's boots. They did not have New Balance shoes. 
They did not have Sperry's, Nike's. They had Jesus boots. They had Jandals. They had some nasty, dirty feet. And you got to understand this context, guys. This is huge. This, this literally is the big deal of the day. It was customary. Every home, there was always a designated person that stood at the door. This had nothing to do with faith. This was not about Christianity. It had everything to do with just custom hospitality. It was just, it was just what you did. It was like offering a drink of water in your home. Hey, would you like something to drink? It was customary. It was what you did out of kindness had nothing to do with faith and conviction. There would always be someone at the door when upon your arrival, they would just wash your feet off out of kindness, a refreshing hospitality. And someone dropped the ball that day. Or did they? It could have been in the perfect will of God that this was an overlooked item of logistics. But there wasn't anyone at the door that day. And Jesus is sitting down at the table. And he's like, I wonder what the appetizers are. What's on the menu tonight? We're going to get a little bread, maybe a little wine. What's up? And he realizes everybody around the table has dirty feet. Which was a complete faux pas. This can't happen. This is a no-no. This is not right. Somebody missed it. No one's at the door to greet them and welcome them and wash their feet. So he stood up. From the table. And I'm stretching this, okay? I don't want anybody to question me on this because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of fabricating this. It was like he got up and said, nobody else would do it, I'll do it. But the spirit in him, it wasn't that attitude. The flesh in him, because you understand the mighty God in Christ. This, this, this Jesus was wanting to fulfill the will of the Father, but he was also a hungry dude too. His body was hungry. He was wanting to eat, but he was also wanting to please the Father by faith and to fulfill the will of God in his life as the Son of God. And his flesh was like, man, my food's going to get cold, but nobody else is going to wash these feet. I guess I will. But his spirit of a servant stood up from supper, and he was interrupted, but he was okay with it because he knew that the big game was ahead of him called the cross. And before he could ever get to the cross and fulfill his, his life of the crucifixion or his death in the crucifixion rather, he knew that he needed to take advantage of a captive audience that would build the New Testament church. And he knew that he had to give them the examples that they needed. He laid down a pattern and he said, don't worry about being interrupted. The mission is more important than the method. And he stood up and he took a bowl of water, he took off his garment, and he put on an apron, and he got a towel, and he got a bowl of water. And Jesus stooped down and started washing the feet of his followers. And the room got about as quiet as this room. Because it didn't make sense. It did not align with authority. Don't you know they started feeling conviction? Why'd you, why didn't you get up, bro? Man, I, I had a cracker in my mouth. I was trying to say, let me get it. And he just, I don't, well, why didn't you? You bring that up on me. Why didn't you? Well, man, I just, my, my feet are so messed up right now, man. My, I haven't had a pedicure in a month. 
you get pedicures? Yes. Who are you? I thought that was for your wife. Well, you know, every now and then my toes kind of, yeah. Well, here he comes. What are we going to do? Well, I'm not going to let him wash my feet. Well, he said you can't be partners with him if you don't. Well, I don't know. What are you going to do? How are you going to handle it? And Jesus just kept modeling. This is what you do. If you're of me, this is what you do. You serve people. And he washed their feet. Facing the cross, he still took time to teach us how to serve. In the same week, Jeff, if you'll come help me close, in the same week, something else happens with a bowl of water. (laughs) Same week, Jesus is now betrayed. Jesus is now being held. Jesus is standing up for a vote. And the crowd wants him crucified. And there's one cat that can change the course of the cross. Or could he? Maybe it was the perfect will of God. I believe it was. But his name was Pilate. Pilate's feeling the pressure. He's like, I don't think this guy's that bad of a dude. Why are y'all wanting to kill him? And he's kind of like whispering, right? You know, man, I'm sorry. This, I got to kind of follow what they're wanting. And they're saying that you need to die, man. So how does he respond? He had a bowl with a towel. But instead of serving, he rejected Jesus. He washes his hands and he says, I don't have anything to do with any of this. This man's blood's not on my hands, everybody. It's all on you. I'm out. And you might say, what, what, what was his decision? His lack of a decision was a very clear decision. And everybody in this room, we're faced with the same decision. What are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to reject him, wash your hands of him? Or are you going to go all in with him and start putting other people before yourself and start serving in a local church, making a difference? A gentleman by the name of Truett Cathy, founder of Chick-fil-A. Anybody Chick-fil-A fans up in here? That was You've responded over that more than anything. Not a out of any of you until Chick-fil-A what once you roll through Chick-fil-A and you get that 12 count nugget with a sweet tea mixed with lemonade they call it the Tommy I have no idea who Arnold Palmer is but it's the Tommy fries extra crispy cause them waffle fries are bad when they get soft but you get them extra crispy Chick-fil-A sauce and you say thank you at Chick-fil-A you hear the words my pleasure My subtopic today are these words. My pleasure. Because Truett Cathy was at a Ritz-Carlton. Top of the chain when it comes to luxury hotels. The founder of Chick-fil-A was checking out and he said, Thank you. 
And a little fella at Ritz Carlton said, my pleasure. And the founder of Chick-fil-A got in his vehicle and started thinking, I'm not in the hotel business, but I am in the people business. I don't provide luxury rooms and service, but I do provide some pretty good chicken. But it's saying people. People are people. And I know how that made me feel. I wonder what it would feel like if my people would say, my pleasure. Stand with me. Can I tell you what God's asking? Calvary Church of Fort Worth. God's asking. I wonder if my people would make other people feel as special if they would just simply serve with the attitude of my pleasure. I don't have to serve at Calvary's kids because they're in a bind. I don't have to serve in greeting just because pastor needs it. I don't have to serve in the worship team just because I like to play and sing. I serve because it's my pleasure. When I think of his goodness towards me, I can't help but want to serve. My pleasure. Every head bowed and every eye closed. What are you going to do with Jesus? I dismiss you with this final prayer. And it's a call to action. What are you going to do with Jesus? Will you receive Jesus into your heart today as your Lord and Savior? Would you allow him to serve you in salvation? Allow him to wash you clean. Allow him to wash the sin out of your heart and forgive you and save you. All over this room, if, if you've never done so before or if you would like to recommit again, if you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, lift your hand up real quick, real quick, real quick. I see you right there, couple. And I see you in the back, sir. Real quick, right here. That's beautiful, baby. I'm proud of you. I see you right there in the center. Wow. I see all of you in the back there. That's a family. God bless every one of you. For everyone with your hand up, this prayer is for you. And I ask you to come into agreement with me. Heavenly Father, I repent of my sins. I've been selfish. I've been greedy. I've been a taker. Everything's been about me lately. I've been trying to fulfill the lust of my flesh, the lust of my eyes, and the pride of life. I've gotten myself distracted from the main thing. I ask you to come into my life today. Become my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sin. From this day forward, I will follow you. I'll stop trying to call the shots and I'll allow you to call the shots. I love you. I make you my Lord. I place my faith in you. And I thank you for loving me as I am. In Jesus' name. And everybody said a big amen. Can we clap our hands today? Amen. Amen. It's official. The longest of the year. So what? All right. I love you guys. God bless you. Have a fabulous week in Jesus. We'll see you Wednesday, 7 o'clock for midweek and student week. God bless you. You're dismissed.